What should we say about the seven signs of the Gospel of John? Well, the first thing to say is that the word samion, sign, means something that points to something outside of itself, just like a turn left sign or a turn right sign is not left or right in itself, it's pointing to something outside of itself. So the first thing to be said about the sign miracles in the Gospel of John is that they are not ends in themselves, they are means to an end. In particular, they are pointing to Christ. And in this regard, they tend to be a little different from what you have when you have miracles in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In the synoptics, the miracles are the signs of the coming of the kingdom. In John, the miracles are the signs of the coming of the king. Now typically, in the synoptic gospels, the miracles are called dynamis, that is, mighty works. But in the Gospel of John, they are called signs because of their symbolic quality of pointing to the Christ. Here's another interesting aspect about the seven signs. Seven, of course, was the Hebrew number for perfection. This is a very clear selection of miracles of Jesus. Um, and we are told he did many other signs and wonders, but they couldn't all be included in this book. So the author is very intentionally including just the seven for a variety of reasons. One of the notable things about them is there is no exorcism in the seven. In fact, nowhere in the Gospel of John at all does Jesus perform an exorcism, and yet in the earliest Gospel we have, Mark, exorcism is, if not the most frequent miracle Jesus performs, it's one of them. How do we account for this? Well, the focus of the Gospel of John is on miracles that Jesus performed in and around Judea, by and large. And uh, there are exceptions to this, the Cana miracle, the feeding the 5,000, but basically the distinctive miracles in the Gospel of John of the healing of the man born blind or the raising of Lazarus or the paralytic at the pool, these are all miracles that take place in Jerusalem because the Gospel of John has a Judean and Jerusalem focus, not a Galilean focus. Now the third thing to say about these miracles is that there's a sort of crescendo of the miraculous in them, a sort of can you top this. So we start by turning water into gallons of gallo, the turning of water into wine at Cana, and we finish with a bang with the raising of Lazarus from the dead who is more than three days dead and so well and truly dead, which foreshadows the great miracle at the end of the second half of the Gospel of John, the raising of Jesus himself. So there is this crescendo of the miraculous as you go with these miracles. So let's walk through the seven signs and just think about what we are being told here. We're going to work backwards from the seventh one to the first one. The last one is the raising of Jesus' friend, the beloved disciple, Lazarus. And this happens only after Jesus has been away for a good period of time and doesn't return in time to prevent Lazarus from dying. But when he gets there, due to the beseeching of both Martha and Mary, he goes and raises Lazarus from the tomb. He comes out of the tomb, he's unwrapped, and he's alive again. Now, I'm not an archaeologist or the son of an archaeologist, 
But I would like to find the tombstone of Lazarus. It would say died 29 AD and then died 43 AD. This would confuse some people. The Gospel of John focuses on Jesus as the risen one and so of course the climactic sign, number seven, is about the raising of Lazarus. Just before that, in John 9, we have the long account of the healing of the man born blind. This is a spectacular story of ships passing in the night as the Jewish authorities become more and more blind and more hard-hearted about Jesus, whereas the blind man gains sight and insight and finally confesses Jesus to be the Son of Man in this particular story. What's especially miraculous about this story is there are no accounts in the Old Testament of a man born blind being healed of his blindness. There's a promise that that will happen one day. The blind will see, the lame will walk, and so on. But not before Jesus is there any performing of giving sight to a man born blind. So that's pretty spectacular in itself. Then some of these other miracles need a detailed attention as well. Just as the man born blind is healed by going and washing the mud off his eyes at the pool of Siloam, so we also have the story of the healing of a paralytic at a different pool, the pool of Bethesda, also in Jerusalem. And these two stories in John 5 and John 9 should be carefully contrasted. The John 5 story involves someone who is skeptical and even outs Jesus to the authorities um, and Jesus has to come to at the end of the story and say, stop sinning or bad things are going to happen to you. This is very different from the end of John 9 where Jesus finds the blind man and confirms to him who it is who has done this for him and asks him to confess Jesus to be the Son of Man he does. So if you want to look at what's going on in these narratives, you should compare and contrast the healing at the Pool of Bethesda with the healing at the Pool of Siloam and the two different outcomes. Two equally genuine miracles, but one leads to more faith in Jesus and the other does not. And this brings up a crucial point that is made over and over again in John. And that is, seeing does not necessarily lead to believing, it's believing that leads to seeing and understanding about Jesus. Then, of course, we have the feeding of the 5,000, the healing of the Roman soldier's son or, or slave at a distance, and, of course, the turning of the water into wine. Some people have asked, what's that all about? What's the turning of the water into wine really all about? Is Jesus the host with the most? at a wedding party? I mean, what's the real significance of this? Well, nothing in the Gospel of John goes without symbolic significance. And we are told there are all these jars of Jewish purification water. So it's the Jewish purification water that's turned into the new wine. And this is seen as a picture of how the old and lifeless water that could only clean the outside of a person has been displaced by the new wine of the gospel, which can bring joy to the inside of a person and change their life. It has been said about the gospel of John that this gospel is shallow enough for a baby to wade in, but deep enough for an elephant to drown. That's especially true in these seven sign narratives, and I encourage you to study them deeply.